Coming up on Philosophy Talk. National liberation, national renaissance, the restoration of nationhood to the people, commonwealth. Frantz Fanon and the violence of colonialism. Whatever may be the headings used or the new formulas introduced, decolonization is always a violent phenomenon. Should there be limits to violence in the service of liberation? Is violence the only language colonial oppressors understand? Shut up! Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help, I'm being repressed! How did Frantz Fanon influence anti-colonial and national liberation movements around the world? He was the first within the revolutionary movement, within the anti-colonial movement, to raise these kinds of questions. Our guest is Nigel Gibson from Emerson College. He was a philosopher, and he raised these questions concretely. I think that's why Fanon is still relevant. Frantz Fanon, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Must colonized people resort to violence to achieve liberation? Won't violence just beget more violence? Isn't armed struggle sometimes the only available option? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence, I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We're here at the studios of KLW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today it's Frantz Fanon, Violence and the Struggle Against Colonialism. Now, Fanon is not what you call a touchy-feely philosopher, Josh. (laughs) In his most influential work, The Wretched of the Earth, he says this, Decolonization reeks of red-hot cannonballs and bloody knives, for the last can be first only after a murderous and decisive confrontation between the two protagonists. That's pretty strong stuff. Yeah, and he wasn't kidding around. He also said that for the colonized, life can only materialize from the rotting cadaver of the colonist. Now, I have to admit, I kind of much prefer Gandhi's model of how to resist colonialism. I mean, Gandhi resisted colonialism intensely, but he did it without the violence. Yeah, well, Fanon dismisses the idea of nonviolence. He, he says it's just a creation of colonialism. Yeah, see, that sounds a little paradoxical to me. I mean, Fanon sees colonialism itself as a system of violence, so how can it possibly create the idea of nonviolence? Well, you've got to think about it this way. There's, there's, a, there's a moment at which the colonizers realize that the jig is up, and at that moment, they co-opt the local elite. So the intellectuals, the priests, the preachers, the movers and shakers in the political class those folks become so deeply colonized that they start collaborating with the colonizers to keep a lid on things. Oh, come on. Why would they do a thing like that? Well, well, because of conditioning, right? So those folks are conditioned by the colonizers to see revolution as a threat, a threat to values like dignity, equality, individualism, reasonableness. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Those are really important values, and they're really well worth preserving. You don't get conditioned into that. I mean, those are important values. Mm, spoken like another colonized intellectual. <laughs> so Fanon, Fanon would tell you, reject the values of your white European colonizers. Create new values for yourself. Gosh, Josh, gee, thanks, dude. I, I love you too, man. <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm just channeling Fanon. Oh, okay, channel on. Help me see more of this. Okay, so here's the idea. The colonizers get so deep into the consciousness of, of the colonized, of the colonized elite in particular, that those elites come to endorse the alien values as if they were their own. Now, this is alien? 
equality and alien value? That's a universal value. That's exactly what the colonizers want you to believe. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's a lie. I, I, and once you swallow that lie, it's easy to believe that nonviolent reform is the way forward. Uh, I, I still don't get it. Why reject values like individualism or reasonableness or equality as alien lies? I don't get it. Why, why is that? Well, so for one thing, those who preach those values are hypocritical. I mean, that they're claiming them for themselves, but completely denying them to the colonizers. Okay, I get that. So just be more consistent. Well, all right, but there's, a, there's another thing, and it's an even deeper problem, and that is that the colonizers are going to use those values as weapons to atomize the colonized, to divide the colonized. Uh, I, look, look, I'm sorry. I, I prefer reform to revolution. Of course you do. Colonized elites always do. You get a seat at the table of reasonableness and become an oh-so-reasonable instrument of the colonizers. Look, look, Josh. You, Fanon or you or anybody else can call me a colonized black guy all he wants, but you know what? You still haven't told me what's so bad about reform. Right, okay. I mean, the problem is that it changes nothing at a deep structural fundamental level, at least not for the masses. And that's why, on Fanon's view, it's always the masses who are the leading edge of revolution, not the co-opted elites. So, so, so you, you're telling me he really thinks that nonviolent reform, the kind of stuff we associate with Gandhi or Martin Luther King, is for sellouts who are blind to their own colonization and complicit in not just their own oppression, but in the oppression of the masses they're supposed to serve? He really thinks that? Yeah, that's what he says. Well, but doesn't he see? Come on. That nonviolent reform, if it could be carried out, it, it actually promises the best of both worlds. It promises reconciliation between the colonized and the colonized on, on, on the basis if they're sincere and work it out on potentially shared values. And it promises all that without bloodshed. That's much better. No, 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 no. So look, the, the, these two worlds, the world of the colonized and the world of the colonized, they're completely incompatible. The only path to liberation for the colonized is to smash the colonial world. Okay, but what's the argument for that? Argument? Colonists may offer high-minded arguments and pretty speeches, but, but Fanon says this. When the colonized hear a speech on Western culture, they draw their machetes. Gosh, what a downer dude, and what a bleak picture. Well, colonizers may not like it, but colonized people the world over have found it deeply inspiring. Well, I know that's true. I know you're right about that. And to give us a wider sample of the reception of this very challenging, uh, provocative thinker, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Liza Veal, to talk to scholars from across the academic disciplines to find out how they interpret Fennel and his legacy. She files this report. I don't feel he's misunderstood. I know he's misunderstood. <laughs> And, and deliberately so in many cases. A lot of liberals when they read Fanon think, oh, he's so constantly angry. I think he's a man who deploys irony to the most devastating effect. His energy and intellect were ferocious. Um, and he was really unforgiving of people who didn't kind of rise to the occasion of giving the world everything they had. He simultaneously wrote as a poet, a philosopher, a psychiatrist, historian, sociologist, a political activist, a humanist, a lover. He wrote us all those things at once. Frantz Fanon grew up on a small Caribbean island under the control of a few French colonizers. He was a teenager when he voluntarily enlisted in the war against the Nazis. Jane Gordon teaches political science at the University of Connecticut. He really believed um, when he enlisted that he was fighting for liberty. I mean, he was really moved by French Republican ideals. But on the front lines, he found that to his white fellow soldiers, he was still merely a colonial subject. 
he came back and said, you know, I was really fighting in a white man's war where the people who were most directly implicated weren't even ready to make the risks that I was. In his writing, Fanon would go on to challenge liberal European ideals and reveal how saturated they were with colonialism. He got a reputation for rejecting civilized democracy in favor of violent revolution. Lewis Gordon, who teaches philosophy and Africana studies at the University of Connecticut, says that's a dismissive oversimplification. The first thing to remember is Fanon was anti-violence. He, he, in fact, he detested it. But he, his position was that if you detest something, it doesn't mean you sit passively on the side and let it happen. The French did not receive his ideas well. It's frightening to see people who are colonized or degraded stand up and say they'll fight for their rights. That's treated in and of itself as violence. And on an interpersonal level among intellectuals, Fanon was marginalized. The very idea of a black man saying, I'm your intellectual equal, or in some cases, I'm your intellectual superior. I mean, Fanon's equals were people like Sartre, Merleau-Ponty, Simone de Beauvoir. Those were his equals. And uh, so the very idea that he would never stand prostrate in front of a white person. In other words, he never cow-cowed, demurred, he never presented himself as small. But since his death, Fanon's work has only grown in relevance. Ashwari Kumar, professor of history at Stanford, says that in the aftermath of widespread decolonization around the world, people turned to Fanon to investigate why... Decolonization did not actually make the empire disappear. Fanon wrote about the economic, cultural, and psychological ways that colonization persists even after the formal political power is gone. When you structure an entire society around a certain set of political and social relations and economic relations, you can't suddenly undo it. Jane Gordon from the University of Connecticut says this time period and the question of what to do over persistent empire revived heated debates over Fanon. Because Fanon was one of the figures who gave the most compelling case for not only the viability of revolution but the need for it, there was a lot of moves to try to discredit him. His critics argued, Revolution is a, is a dead project. It's behind us. Um, we can't radically transform societies anymore. For a lot of people who study Fanon, there are limits to how far they're willing to go with him. For Ashwari Kumar, it's Fanon's idea of cathartic violence, violence that psychologically liberates colonized people. Many of us uh, have been un uneasy about that one place, that, that place of cathartic violence that Fanon wants us to go in order to be just simply free. Today, Fanon's ideas about radical change and violence have a new relevance. Kumar points out that the Antifa movement, with their embrace of violence against white supremacy and fascism, asks many of the same questions that Fanon did. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Liza Veal. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.